0: You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com.
1: This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Chargeback Prevention Jargon and features experts from Chargebacks 911.
0: Okay, thank you everyone for uh, taking the time out of your day to join us. for those of you who are not familiar with Chargebacks 911, um, we help merchants by preventing chargebacks, and then we help merchants by recovering revenue from the chargebacks that we were unable to prevent. Uh, my name is Jared Wright. I'm the head of the marketing here at Chargebacks 911, and I'm really excited to have David Purtle, who is uh, head of uh, um, <clears throat> uh, enterprise engagement. Uh, he's, he's one of the longtime uh, chargeback experts that we have here. He's uh, I wouldn't there's really not anybody other than him that I'd like to have uh, on this webinar today. So, so, David, thank you so much for joining us.
1: No problem.
0: All right. And uh, just uh, some housekeeping measures at the top. I'm going to kind of go over how this webinar is going to be structured. Um, We've got a few slides that are a little bit of a presentation. Um, Those slides are going to be fairly visual. So, uh, you know, if you can kind of close other windows and give us your attention for those. Um, and then we're going to answer a lot of the questions that were submitted when you've registered. Um, that's going to be a little less visual. So if you kind of want to work on something else or just listen to that part, um, that, that'll be totally fine. Um, this webinar will be available for replay. However, not all of the questions necessarily will be included in that replay. So we encourage you to stay with us to get the maximum benefit out of today's event um this webinar after around 30 days uh, will be available on our podcast so if you're an audio learner we recommend that you search for charge forward with chargebacks 911 however you listen to podcasts and uh this and a lot of the other content that we've done will be available there in audio form <clears throat> okay so i'm going to do something kind of off the top here um I'm going to maybe maybe it's going to seem like we're doing this a little bit backwards, but I'm going to talk about what our secret sauce is. I know that a lot of uh, people have options when they look at different chargeback management companies. And so people are always curious about, you know, how we get the results that we get, you know, how we've sort of uh, become the industry standard for chargeback management. And um, our secret sauce, so to speak, is that we work to stack the deck in your favor as a merchant. Our goal is to help you recover as much revenue as possible oops I don't know what happened Um, our goal is to enable you to cover as much revenue as possible and uh, we do that by making sure that we reduce the number of unwinnable chargebacks to as little as possible Um, there's a three tier strategy and I'm just gonna briefly walk you through how it works okay um, first thing that we do is we help you prevent criminal fraud and there's actually a lot of content that we've uh, created around that Um, I think the key word on this slide though is that we help you identify criminal fraud because that's really where a lot of the uh, rubber hits the road. Uh, And it really should be the first step in any chargeback management process, okay? The next slide is that we help you identify operational mistakes, merchant errors that may be helping to cause chargebacks. Um, These chargebacks, one, they can be hard to refute and uh, often are easily prevented with uh, a small adjustment to a process, okay? And then the final stage of our chargeback management process is disputing chargeback fraud. Um, Once you've prevented as many chargebacks as possible, the remaining disputes are ones that um, you should be able to overturn fairly easily. And this is a kind of this is kind of the way that we look at this with some actual numbers. Um, and, And I think it's a great way to think about the importance of prevention in an overall chargeback management strategy. Um, Because prevention in and of itself is valuable and has a lot of benefits, but it also enables you to be more effective at other things like representment. Um, And so now the the topic of this webinar is really going to focus on the different tools that merchants have at their disposal. I don't know why it's advancing. I apologize. The different tools that merchants have at their disposal to help them prevent disputes. Um, Okay, so let's go ahead and we'll go to the next one here. Um, the first one is, uh, ERT notifications. And so I'm going to bring David in cause he's, this is sort of, um, his area, his expertise is going to be really invaluable here. So David, why don't we start, what are ERT notifications and how do they help merchants?
1: Yeah, of course. So ERT notifications is a system that we've developed as chargebacks 911 to help prevent and recover more chargebacks, um, by uncovering bring the source of those chargebacks so it stands for error risk and threat so like you said there are various types and sources to chargebacks and if you can identify those sources it's a great opportunity to prevent chargebacks through various tools depending on the situation and then you're left with easier recoverable chargebacks due to friendly fraud so our ERT notifications will do a lot of peer analysis aggregate data benchmarking and then help you understand as merchants where you lie in that situation with your chargebacks. And then we can back into ways that you can organically just prevent chargebacks by changing your activities based on your data that's coming through. So if I had to give some advice how to do this as a merchant, um, because that's what we're talking about is prevention, is really collaboration is the key. I mean, data is the key here. You need to be working with data outside of just yours, because if you're trending at a certain normal percentage for say, um, counsel recurring or refund that process, but you're trending at the same rate every month, that's going to be normal for you. But it's really getting outside of your data, collaborating with other merchants um, or other providers of data to understand uh, how you stack up. That's a great opportunity to prevent chargebacks. So that's kind of how our system works. And we consider that to be ERT notifications, which is error, risk and threat.
0: And, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but it's almost like a checklist, right? Like it'll almost create a checklist, um, that gets populated when new errors are detected. Um, and it, it, it's, it's real actionable, uh, stuff, right? It's not just, it's not, it's cryptic. It really gives you kind of a, a real sense of what you can do as a merchant to, to avoid this, this chargeback liability. Could, could, could you give us maybe some examples of, um, types of ERT notifications that, that we provide to merchants?
1: Yeah, so we work with about 22 external data feeds on merchant uh, data. So what's happening outside of your transaction that's being disputed. So if you were doing this as, uh, you know, an internal activity as a merchant, you would want to partner with different databases to do the same. But then we look at trending data and pull out. Uh, you know, analysis based on what's normal for your vertical. So a great example of, you know, an ERT notification that might fire is um, your descriptor. So if you just want to, you know, pick a really easy one, we actually monitor about 400 um, points of interest in data. But uh, a very easy one would be, hey, uh, something that is preventable uh, to expose you to future chargebacks would be changing your descriptor uh, and checking to make sure it really makes sense. And it allows a merchant or not a merchant, but a consumer to contact you if they need to. So, you know, maybe like a website and a customer service number. Um, I see this all the time. So a lot of e-commerce merchants will have their state listed in their descriptor and that immediately is going to confuse your consumers. So really, it's just going through activities like that and our expertise and understanding and relying on big data to help us. Uh, you know look at those trends and analytics as we bring in your data so that would be just be one easy example um, another one would be if you want to get really granular into it you could even drill down into your refund policy so every single area of your uh, organization is obviously going to contribute to friendly fraud chargebacks so the goal is to minimize your risk to, to criminal intent chargebacks in merchant errors so that you can be left with friendly fraud but um, say, for instance, your customer service is saying a script that doesn't make sense during a refund and uh, you're getting a heightened level of refund, not process chargebacks in relation to that. Um, and again, this would be you having to rely on external data. But uh, if you're trending high in that, it could be, you know, your customer service script. They might be saying the wrong thing, misleading the consumer, and then you're getting a chargeback because they didn't get their refund in time. Um, so that's a little bit more nuanced and more granular, but uh, looking at every operation of your business and then leaning on collaboration and databases to understand what's normal uh, will help you organically prevent chargebacks. And that is a free activity. So, I mean, if you can do that as a merchant, that's the cheapest way to prevent chargebacks.
0: Yeah, and in in the example that you gave with the the high number of the refund, not processed chargebacks, so basically the system would recognize that compared to either your historical trend or the market average or what, what, you know, your industry average is, that there's, that you have a higher number of those. And, and it'll, it'll know that that's the advice that you need is to, to, you know, check, check these things. So check your uh, uh, customer service, make sure they're following scripts, make sure that your refund process is happening and you're communicating to merchants. So it won't just give you that raw data. It'll actually interpret it. And provide you with some actionable steps that you could make real small adjustments um, to your to your processes. Am, am I understanding or thinking about that correctly? It sort of interprets the data. It's, it's more valuable than just that raw data.
1: Yep. So we're about 70% analytics and automated responses as data comes in, but 30% human involvement and in forensics. So if your internal team was doing this, you would have to come up with a way to interpret that as well, which is one of the more difficult things for merchants to do. So this is not the most, um, you know, easy thing to take advantage of, but collaboration is key. But yeah, it gives you an item on the list of, hey, this is not normal, and these are could we we actually do the the work to find out what could be causing this for our merchants, but your internal analytics team would want to do that as well.
0: So this next one, I think I've uh, fixed the issue where the slides were advancing. Um, this this first one is uh, chargeback alerts now. Um, They've been around for forever. They were, they, you know, I've been at Chargeback 911 for seven years. I think David, you, something like that for you as well. I think we started about the same time. And chargeback alerts were around for years before we ever got here. So they're, they're sort of, they've been in the market for a long time. Um But for those of you unfamiliar, um, David, why don't you kind of lay the uh, groundwork? What are the, what we would typically refer to as chargeback alerts?
1: yeah i'm really happy happy we're having this uh this webinar because the jargon the the terminology uh, terminology changes lately and the new type of alerts is getting very confusing so traditional alerts is what we call them is provided by Ethic and verify uh and chargebacks time on one and essentially that is just a direct relationship with an issuer so the cardholders bank we go out to them and we say hey Our merchants would actually love a notification before you file a chargeback and would be happy to provide a refund for customer service reasons to keep their customer happy. Or maybe it's a situation where they can't uh, absorb the fraud and risk related to those chargebacks. Maybe they're breaching thresholds. There's many reasons why merchants would want to use this. But essentially, traditional alerts are based on a direct relationship with an issuing bank that agrees to give us a notification or one of our networks that we work with, a notification to advance a refund rather than going down the chargeback cycle.
0: Great. So it's basically a refund instead of a chargeback. Yep. Um, and like, so what, what type of merchants would you say, how, how, how do you know if you're a merchant, if, um, if these tools are going to be effective for you or if uh, there's something that you should look into?
1: Well, if you're a merchant that's willing to give a refund to prevent a chargeback, then you are a candidate for this this type of alert notification. It's extremely easy to get set up. It's fast. So if you do get a situation where it's more of a risk uh, aspect of getting too many chargebacks, it's a quick way to minimize your risk uh, and exposure to them. But if you're just wanting to keep your clients happy, you don't want them to have to wait on, you know, the chargeback cycle to come through and then you accept it. Uh, and you want to be a part of that resolution that makes it very easy for your cardholder and your client, then alerts are probably going to fit your needs as well. So I get a mix of both very low risk merchants that want these tools um, because of customer service reasons. And then I get a mix of very high risk, aggressive free trials and recurring and, you know, all that kind of stuff that use them because they're getting too many chargebacks. So, um, yeah, it's really just boils down to if you would give a refund to prevent chargeback. Uh, for whatever reason, then you're a good fit.
0: That's great. Now, so so how does it work? Do, when the alert comes, now the, the merchant needs to log in and um, issue the refund and do it all themselves, or um, do we help them with that? How, what, how does that work?
1: So, to be honest, a lot of providers Uh, will offer these alerts. Um, Ethica and Verify have done a really good job of establishing themselves as these main two providers in the industry of chargeback prevention. So as as chargebacks 911, we do offer these as tools in addition to our own proprietary relationship with issuers that we've developed over the years. Um, So we have the largest coverage and it is aggregated into one platform. You can go direct to Ethica and Verify to get these tools. It's just as easy. Um, you're just going to have separate reporting, things like that. And you would have to refund yourself. So um, we give the merchant an option as a provider and other providers, you know, would do the same, I assume. But we can do this full service. So if you want us to handle the refunds and marking and cancel recurring or whatever your activities would be, when you get an alert in, we could do that on your behalf or you can handle it yourself. So a lot of lower risk merchants that don't have to give so many refunds to prevent chargebacks, you have 24 hours to review it. So they may be reaching out to their consumer to resolve the issue before giving that refund. So you can handle these in-house as a self-service solution, or you can handle this as an outsource solution to the provider that you're getting them from.
0: Okay, so now we get into the kind of the the newer breed of, you know, they're kind of like alerts, but they're kind of not. So I'm, I'm excited for, for David, you to kind of clear up these different tools here. Um, could could you talk about this new class of prevention tools and um, maybe give uh, merchants a, a easy way to think about, um, you know, wh- what, what they provide and, and how they're different from alerts?
1: Yes. So this is the new type of uh, prevention method. It's been out for a few years now. It's really ramping up recently. And this is a, uh, card scheme solution. So unlike a direct relationship through an, is- an issuer, a card scheme has uh, come up with their own. So Visa and MasterCard have solutions called Order Insights and Consumer Clarity that is available to every Visa and MasterCard issuer out there. Their systems are now updated. And you can think of this, instead of giving a refund, as a real-time data transfer. So when you get into situations, especially with friendly fraud, it's an aspect of the issuer, so the cardholder's bank not having any details or transactional data to make a decision off of. So they're just really taking the word of that consumer and then they can't really fact check that. With this solution, we can actually, as facilitators for these programs and some other providers uh, do this as well, like acquiring solutions and things like that. But um, as a facilitator, we can actually facilitate all of that data back to the issuer at the time of the dispute within one second. So instead of a false claim being you know, pushed through as a fraud chargeback, for example, um, or a I didn't receive merchandise, the issuer now has within one second on their screen all the details that you've collected as a merchant. So maybe you validated the address or the CVV. Uh, it matches the address that they have on file for them, or this is their email address that they register with. This is the tracking number with order confirmation. This is the product that they ordered. This is a lot of things. So. This really helps with false claims, but it also helps with I don't recognize the transaction because now they have all the information like, hey, this is for the blue sneakers you ordered last night or, you know, whatever it might have been. Um, but it really helps hold down on unfriendly fraud or mistaken chargebacks, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important point, too, because I think a lot of times when people talk about friendly fraud, they, they think about the really extreme version of, you know, somebody trying to get something for free, somebody, you know, kind of gaming the system. And there is a lot of that for sure, but a lot of it is just sort of accidental, right? Somebody, <clears throat> you know, your, your wife makes a, a charge and you just don't recognize it or the, um, the billing descriptor is kind of different than the name that you're familiar with. And so a lot of times what will happen is cardholders will call their bank just to figure out what a charge is. And the only tool that the bank has, you know, up until now, is, um, to file a chargeback. That's how you find out. <laughs> Somebody says, I don't, I don't remember right. making a purchase here. That's not a name I recognize. <clears throat> There's not a lot of merchant that a bank can do with, um, the tools that David's talking about. Um, uh, you're able to provide that information in real time to that, uh, issuing bank so that they can, uh, help their customer and, uh, and, and really get rid of that entire class of chargebacks, so it doesn't require a refund, so it's you know it's 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 really uh, a lot of merchants have really taken advantage of uh, of of this this tool but um david one of the things I know about this is that the integration is not you know it's one of the reasons why um larger uh, businesses will come and, and have us set them up is because the integration is a little tricky can can you walk walk us through you know like what does that service look like from our end? Um, how difficult is it for merchants to get set up um, and, and offer and start utilizing these tools?
1: Right. So we've done the legwork and these tools, first off, are for any merchant that's getting chargebacks. So it's not if you're getting too many chargebacks. It's not if you're breaching thresholds. This really makes sense at any level and any price point because you're preventing chargebacks. You're retaining that transaction amount. You're not getting the penalty fee and you're getting a lower percentage. So this is a win-win for everyone. I love these tools and they work great. But to actually go direct and be a part of these programs at the card scene level is a extremely lengthy uh complex technical integration that we had to develop as facilitators for this. It took us about 9 months to get on board with this. So, you know, most merchants won't go through that. What we do as facilitators and the card teams work in Uh, love working with us is because we represent so many merchants that we've developed that API connection in the background. So all we need to do at the end of the day is link that with your customer data. And some providers do have problems with facilitating this type of product because it is, A one second SLA I mean you have to have that information very quickly so we've developed some and we won't get into the details but we've developed about three different ways that we could do this and facilitate this product for our merchants to make it the easiest as possible it does take about three weeks to get set up um, because you do have to go through a registration process we have to you know enroll your merchant accounts with the card schemes they have to batch that out to the issuers and then it starts working right so we start getting the notifications we start transferring the information so Takes about three weeks, so it's a little bit longer than those traditional alerts, but um, it doesn't require a refund, and it still prevents a really, really good amount of chargebacks.
0: That's great. Now, in the, also in this category is the, the new kid on the block, so to speak, is RDR. So, um, so tell us about RDR, and and is it is it the, the the two tools you talked about? Tell me the names again, just just so we everybody has them.
1: Yep, order insights and consumer clarity. So, order insights was also actually previously called VMPI, which stood for Visa Merchant Purchase Inquiry, and then they changed it to order insights about a year ago.
0: Okay, and consumer clarity and and ones on the Visa network and ones on the Mastercard network, ones Ethica, ones Verify, but they're basically the same tools. So, so most of the times it'll be if 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 you utilize these tools, you would typically utilize both, or is there instances where you would just use one or the other?
1: Yeah, you would you would do both. It, the same integration is going to facilitate um, both because we make the connections in the background to the system. So, um, yeah, you would you would want to use both. It's it's the exact same thing. It's just a file uh, transfer of data within a one second uh, back to the issuer. And then they have that data.
0: OK. And then the new kid on the block is RDR and RDR is um, is the Visa network. Right. It's a verified. Anyway, RDR. Why don't you tell us about RDR?
1: Yeah, RDR is a part of the uh, v program. It's a type of a notification that comes through, and it's a selective refund process. So with traditional alerts, going to issuers directly and saying, hey, my clients would give a refund to prevent these chargebacks. This is going through the card schemes rails. So, again, every issuer under Visa has availability to this program and can request a refund rather than filing a chargeback. So, say, for instance, the consumer calls in and the issuer uses order insights to collect more information, but that information really didn't clarify whether they should go through with a chargeback or not. They might default to the RDR platform because they know that you're not gonna get a penalty fee for this, you would be giving a refund. So you set up roles with us as a facilitator or whoever you're getting this through and those roles live with your acquiring solution and then once the issuer requests the refund, it hits your acquiring solution and then they base their decision based on what you've approved for a refund. So this is way more selected, it's way more flexible, and you can actually do things like, hey, if I'm gonna get a chargeback for $5, then just give a refund for it. Or a lot of merchants have difficulty looking at chargebacks and deciding, which ones to dispute, which ones not to dispute. So they might be accepting certain reason codes, for example. So if you get a fraud reason code come through, then you might just approve that refund rather than getting a penalty for that for that chargeback. So it's a way to kind of accept chargebacks that you would have anyway, or provide a refund to just not even go down the chargeback path. And those refunds are based on a set of rules that you set up.
0: That sounds great. So it sounds similar. It's the, it's the refund, you know, instead of a chargeback, it sounds similar to, to alerts, but it's, it sounds like a little bit, a little, a, a little less manual, a little more automatic. Um, it's got, it seems okay. like it has a little bit more flexibility. Would, uh would being set up on RDR and all the chargeback alerts and like, do, do we typically enroll merchants in everything or how do we decide which tools are the right fit for them?
1: Well, we present what we think that needs to happen to the merchant and then they usually decide. But you would probably have someone in a more high risk situation where they can't absorb the risk of a chargeback and they're breaching thresholds. They might be on monitoring programs. They might be in trouble with a the processor. They're going to take every coverage that they could possibly get. If it's more of a low risk customer or, or merchant, they might just be selected to only use additional information. And then use the RDR option as a customer satisfaction measure. Um, so really, it, it's, it depends on the merchant situation to whether they would take all of them or we would suggest all of them or just maybe a few of them. But that's something that, you know, I identify with the brands that I work with is we'll walk through their situation. We'll, you know, understand their goals with prevention and recovery. And then we'll just basically help guide them through the decision making process of what they want to do. Um, because each one does have really good coverage. So I wouldn't say you're in need of all of them unless you're just, you know, breaching thresholds and you're you're in trouble. Thanks.
0: That sounds great. I think that's I think that's a big that's a under underappreciated value of um working with Chargebacks nine one one. I think the, the consultative uh value and, and really helping make sure that merchants are optimized for whatever their business goals are. Um because there's a lot of sort of self-service platforms out there and you know maybe some younger companies that don't have the depth of experience um and if you get this stuff wrong and you, you sort of set up something slightly wrong i mean it could it could be a fairly significant cost to your bottom line so making sure that you're you're working with a partner that has the uh the history and the ability to uh to help guide you through this process is uh is pretty important all right and then the last one this isn't really a tool but this is you know i i think it, behooves us anytime we talk about chargeback prevention that we talk about this reality because I don't think it's intuitive for merchants and so it's something that we we really like to say over and over again. We've run studies we've, we've proven our case um, and and we've been able to show that preventing uh, charge or excuse me by um, winning representment so successfully representing chargebacks um, you know really has a, a positive impact on your reputation and actually decreases, the likelihood that you're going to receive chargebacks. David, could you like, could you explain? Could you walk the audience through why that could possibly be, or or how how that mechanism works?
1: Yeah. So chargeback exposure really uh, affects a few different areas of your business. One, how many chargebacks that you're getting uh, based on how you're handling them. Two, it could it could affect your approval rate and and your decline rate, so your acceptance rate for the issuer. So. A lot of merchants don't understand that their transaction goes through about three fraud filters by the time it actually settles for various reasons. And you could be getting a higher decline rate just because you're not managing your chargebacks. So you get scored at the descriptor level, the MCC code, um, your exposure to chargebacks, how you react to them. If you're not reacting to, say, a fraud chargeback and an unauthorized chargeback, then you're actually saying, yeah, as a merchant, I made a mistake. Thanks for giving me the chargeback. So guess what's going to happen? They're just going to keep doing it again, also they have a cost related to this. So the merchants are not just on the hook for all the costs. The issuer has a cost of this. The acquirer has a cost of this. The processor has a cost of this. And the merchant has a cost of this. So everyone has a cost. So if you're getting a lot of friendly fraud chargebacks and you're not managing them and you're not reversing the majority of them, then it's a very cost effective act for that issuer to just go through and file a chargeback because, hey, they're not going to have to deal with it. It's a very fast way to take care of the consumer and make them happy. If you put a little bit more friction back on that friendly fraud process, and you maintain that relationship with the, and reputation with the issuers to say, actually, no, this was a legitimate transaction, here's the evidence, and you file that with them, you're upping their cost to this. So it's about $6.40 to file a chargeback. It bumps it up to about $45 to review that case and make a decision. If you get it reversed, it actually bumps it up to about 75 USD. So if you have a lower average ticket, this works even better. And obviously, if you have a large volume of chargebacks, you need to be representing them, even the fraud reason code ones, because they're not real fraud. They're just misinterpreted as fraud because the, the issuer doesn't have the data make that decision and they're just you're getting a fraud reason code when really it could just be for any reason at all. So representing your chargebacks will clear up that reputation with the issuer and force them to have a higher cost to where they're probably going to route some of those mer- uh, those consumers back to the merchant for resolution rather than so quickly following that chargeback. So it's a it's an insanely good practice to manage your chargebacks and be very successful at doing so. I mean this is not a magic bullet, but it is a very important approach that we take with our merchants and it takes about 6 to 9 months to appreciate it. Um, But we do bend analysis in the background and we follow, hey, what bends are filing chargebacks? What are the top 10 offenders? How are they trending over the last nine months? Where are we seeing a reduction? Where can we put back more friction? Uh, Because it it definitely makes a difference. So winning representments and managing them um, or winning chargebacks and managing them uh, is a really, really good key to to the overall organic exposure to them in the first place.
0: All right. Okay, and then um, David, could you just talk a little bit about how we maybe maybe tie all of this together and talk a little bit about our services? I don't want this to be entirely a uh, you know an infomercial for Chargebacks Nine One One, but you know as a merchant, if you're if you're looking at these different tools and you're trying to figure out how they all fit together and you're you're struggling with representments and and seeing how all the pieces fit together, how does Chargebacks Nine One One help you solve all these problems or any individual problem?
1: Yeah, call me. I talk to thousands of merchants. So, I mean, if you're confused, we're happy to clear things up for you. Even if you don't do business with us, uh, I mean, I that spend the majority of my day talking to, to merchants, but as chargebacks 911, we are a post transaction fraud mitigation company that focuses on every post transaction dispute resolution notification. So it's not just about the chargeback. It's about. What data can we receive to prevent chargebacks before they happen? And what can we learn after the fact when a chargeback occurs? So it's a very, very in-depth and complex holistic solution that focuses on your unique situation because every merchant is different. So we kind of just package that up and make it very easy to interpret and very easy to implement and just get it off your plate so you can start focusing on really making changes that make a difference to your company rather than fumbling through responses to chargebacks. Um, but, yeah, don't want to get too salesy there, but um, it's not an easy thing to do. Merchants struggle with it. About two thirds of the time, merchants will admit that they don't know which ones to dispute. Uh, we quickly run it through a, a system called intelligent source detection that does all kinds of analytics on it we're getting a lot more data on the actual dispute and transaction and consumer behavior. And we're quickly able to understand, okay, is this true fraud or is this just friendly fraud? Um, So that's kind of how we help as a holistic and complete solution. It's everything post transaction related to a fraud uh, or dispute resolution process.
0: Okay. All right. Now, everybody, when you registered, you had the option to submit a question. We had a, quite a few number of questions, so we're probably not going to get to live questions. We may not even get through the ones that we loaded into the deck. Um, but if, if during this webinar you had any questions, please just use the question box like you normally would. We've got a, a really great person that's, uh, uh, you know, there to answer any low-hanging fruit, easy questions. Um, she'll be able to give you some immediate information. Um, and then, and then after the webinar, we will go through the questions. If it needs a little bit more of a, a complete answer, we'll make sure that somebody uh, gets back to you with that information um, so that that your questions are answered. Um, but we're going to go ahead and answer Dimitri's questions up first. Um, and he asked a question that is near and dear to my heart. What is the difference between a dispute and a chargeback? And I understand why Dimitri is frustrated. Um, just between you and me uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, how many years ago now did the, um, did Visa come out with the whole new um, VCR stuff? Look, it was like two years I think ago. it was about three years, three about three years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Time three flies, but, but yeah, they, they changed the term from chargeback to dispute. And, and um, so it's created because a lot of times you say dispute a chargeback as a way to mean like refute or fight a chargeback. Um, but that it creates kind of like confusing language. So, um, David, how do you, is it, do you you just kind of use them interchangeably or how do you, what what rules do you use for when you you say dispute or when you say chargeback?
1: That depends on who I'm talking to and what solution I'm talking about. So, as you know, PayPal, they have their own dispute uh, resolution process that engages the customer service of the merchant and them directly and the consumer directly. They have a claims process and then there's a chargeback process. So the dispute for them means something completely different than a dispute to an issuer. So a dispute to an issuer is just a consumer calling in for whatever reason to ask for a refund or to dispute a charge. It's not a chargeback yet. There's still opportunity to prevent that. And then the chargeback is just the activity of those funds being uh, reverted back to the consumer in a forced manner. So um, now Visa is calling what they used to call chargebacks disputes but most merchants will still just say chargebacks this is a chargeback so um it's interchangeable it really just depends on what what person you're talking to and what platform you're uh, referring to but uh it definitely can be uh confusing but it it's it's interchangeable
0: <laughs> i i can tell you're having kind of the same the same struggle that i have with I, it i i think i think david's right i think they are technically um interchangeable um if it's mastercard i think it's still chargeback if it's visa it's dispute but but it, regardless the way that i think about it is if it's on the cardholder issuer side and you're talking about the 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 disputed charge then i usually use the term dispute right but then if you're talking about the the mechanism right the financial mechanism and you're talking on on the um acquirer merchant side then i say chargeback because then it's it's, it's more of a – it feels more like a technical term, and then you don't have that confusing, I need to dispute a dispute. It, you know, That that's – you avoid that sort of unclear language. So uh, a dispute is pre-chargeback and uh, cardholder payment dispute side, and then, um, you know, technical uh, uh, acquirer slash processor chargeback. That's, that's the way I divide it when, when we talk about it. Um, on the website and things like that, but we're still not perfect about it. We'll, you know, we need to, we write a lot of content and sometimes you just have word proximity issues. And so sometimes it's just easier to say a dispute because you've said chargeback three times in the sentence before. So, um, <clears throat> I think you can technically use, um, the either term at any point. Can you receive a chargeback on a 3d secure transaction? What's the answer, David?
1: The answer is yes. Um, it is not a service that we provide, but it's extremely useful in the, um, in the third-party fraud uh, arena, so true criminal intent fraud. It is built to um, authenticate a transaction as, it, as it's happening. And if you use this, it shifts the liability for a fraud-related claim back to the issuer because you as a merchant went through an additional authorization method on the consumer, validating that it is them using their card, and it is approved, So and it is authorized. Um, so you can still technically get chargebacks on a 3D secure transaction, um, and you can actually still get fraud claims on a, on a 3D secure transaction. So what happens is since the liability shift is on the issuer, they might dig into the situation a little bit more and ask more questions, maybe some more proof or whatever the situation might be, and that reason code may shift from fraud to I didn't receive the merchandise, or it was defective, or I'm not happy with it, or whatever it may be. And then you're still going to get charged back due to merchant error or merchandise-related um, reason codes.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I, th- I think, you know, if 3D Secure, they came out uh, a couple years ago with a maybe a year ago 3D Secure 2.0, um, and there's a lot less friction than the original 3D Secure. So. There's been there's been some changes but if if this is something that you've you know you you do think you have a fraud liability um 3D secure is definitely something we recommend uh uh <clears throat> but um check out the 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 new protocol it's a little bit a little bit less friction that's not they don't you I don't have to like leave the your shopping cart which used to be the case um Don just asked Mastercard updates
1: <laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> uh, no, there's tons of changes throughout the year. Um, I think there was like a hundred and something changes last year due to chargebacks. Um, uh, the the most recent update would be consumer clarity. I mean, they, they're following the footsteps of these and really trying to help the merchant resolve the issues before they happen or disputes before they happen um, or chargebacks, if you want to use the correct terminology. Um, So they're trying to resolve those disputes from rolling into a chargeback through their consumer clarity program. They are releasing a refund activity um, related option, just like RDR, but it's going to be a little bit different. I don't want to speak too much into the details about that because it may change. It's not rolled out yet. Um, But, yeah, uh, some things are coming as far as a product um, portfolio goes with MasterCard. But I mean as far as just traditional policy updates that happens all the time. Um, most people re- rely on their acquirers to ship that information to them, but require, uh, acquirers don't really have a great uh, system to do that. So um, we have direct relationships with all the card schemes. That's how we get our updates and tweak our representment responses and things like that. Um, but yeah, updates are coming with MasterCard but hopefully this year, and it's gonna be great for the merchants.
0: Yeah, and we actually have, um... <clears throat> I can kind of make an announcement in the next couple of days. We're going to make an announcement. The next webinar we're doing is going to have somebody from MasterCard. So if specifically you're uh, interested, um, they're, they're going to talk about some of the things that they have uh, coming down the is it, I don't know if it's Pike or pipe. I think, I think it's Pike. Um, and, um, and so definitely keep your ear to the ground for that one. I think that's going to be a really great webinar. Um <clears throat> Okay, so the next one is contesting fraud-related chargebacks. Chelsea wants to know, um, is that something that she should be doing? How how do you do it? Um, And, David, what what do we say about that?
1: I would say five times out of ten, merchants do not dispute fraud-related chargebacks because they take them as real fraud, when really it's just a misunderstanding at the issuing bank level because they have no data, so it might get coded as fraud. I would say 80% of your chargebacks are going to be filed under reason code fraud or unauthorized. And that presents a massive problem for Chelsea to try to decide which ones to dispute. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to dispute true fraud. So if it is a stolen credit card, stolen identity or related to third party fraud, it's going to look really bad on you as a merchant to still want that money because really the responsibility of a credit card acceptance Uh, due to non-fraud is on the merchant. You're supposed to validate that. You're supposed to go through the correct steps and and not accept a stolen credit card detail, right? So disputing that after the fact, when they're saying this is fraud and it actually is fraud, that's really bad on your reputation with that issuer because you're saying, I don't care, I still want the money. However, most of these, even though they're coded as fraud or unauthorized, that's just the vanilla code because the issuer doesn't know any better. So you can, if you have the right checks and balances in place on the front end to understand if this is actual fraud or not. And if it's not fraud and it's just friendly fraud, definitely dispute them because you can get them re- recovered. We dispute the majority of what we dispute is fraud reason codes. So if you go take the right activities, it is a successful activity to um, or process to recover some of those funds.
0: Yep, I, I completely agree with that. And, and I think I think one of the the keys here is really having an understanding of what your fraud liability is, right? Because if if as David says, 80% of the chargebacks that are coming in are coded as fraud. Um, you know you know that may be the case. There are you know David says most of them aren't, and and most of the time most of them aren't. But there are cases where we come we come across a merchant that's got a pretty big fraud liability. They haven't done all the That initial sort of stage one that I mentioned earlier where they really got the the criminal fraud under control. But if you've taken those steps and you don't really have a large fraud liability, you're not doing buy online, pick up in store with, you know, high resale item tickets without checking IDs or whatever. If you if you if you if you have fraud exposure. um, But but once you've sort of brought that down, then that's um, yeah, you definitely want to look into figuring out how to identify the friendly fraud within the fraud reason codes. And that's one of the things that we do yeah. for our merchants. It's,
1: I would say, especially if you're using a front end fraud filter, that's a third party, then you're probably not going to have too much fraud exposure. That's true fraud. It's just going to be all those coded as, as fraud. So you're more likely to not be um, so, Reluctant to dispute a fraud reason code because if you are using a friend and fraud filter, it's highly unlikely it's going to be fraud, true fraud, and you you could get that reversed. That's right.
0: Okay. Uh Carla wants to know how is RDR different than alerts? And we kind of talked
1: about Go ahead, man. Sorry. <laughs> God. Uh, it's just a selective process that lives on the card schemes rather than uh, direct issuer relationships. So instead of blanket refunds that come from issuers, it is a selective refund process that you can set up and it goes through the card schemes and available with all issuers under that card scheme. Yeah,
0: it's automatic. Um, <clears throat> what other tools that we've talked about today um what which ones are the best at helping to prevent recurring chargebacks i know that a lot of our uh, listeners are probably dealing with that type of chargeback
1: all of them so it's it's really not a, a type of transaction is going to be better prevented than the other and traditional alerts are going to depend on the issuing bank that is involved in that program so obviously there's not going to be a blanket coverage across a card scheme With the traditional alerts, it depends on what card types that you're accepting or your card holders are using. Usually you're going to be more successful at getting chargebacks prevented for, you know, any type of uh, reason code. If you have a lower ticket price and using traditional alerts, because they're going to already be in the in the network if it's a very uh, obtainable card type like Capital One or, or, you know, Chase or something like that, uh, because they're targeted first over a very select like black MX card. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it really just depends on your client base onto how much coverage you're going to get with traditional alerts, but with the other prevention tools, you're going to get a a great success no matter what, because it, it, it has availability through every issuer across the card schemes. Um, so I think all the tools can help. I mean, even if you're just looking at organic exposure to chargebacks, customer service is going to play a massive role into preventing chargebacks, making your descriptors uh, you know, making sure they make sense and making sure they're listed on the communication with your clients, making sure there's clear return policies, making sure those returns and refund requests are very easy to obtain on your website, uh chatbot, uh live customer service, 24 hours, like Friendly fraud is about convenience. So, preventing chargebacks for any reason code, uh, you want to make it less convenient to go to their bank than to come to you, and that's the battle that you have as a merchant.
0: Okay, David. I was gonna—we're we gonna try to get through one more, but it looks like we're coming up on uh, ten minutes at the top of the hour. I always like to give everybody a few minutes left back of their afternoon in case anybody has a. Uh, a call that they got to get prepped for. I want to make sure that they are doing good. So we're, I'm just going to put my email in David's email. Um, if you want to talk about uh, football or, uh, you know, you have a great joke, please email me. If you have any questions about our products, please email David. He's going to be the guy that's going to uh, be able to answer those questions and, uh, you know, hopefully help you out. Um, David, did you want to add anything else? Is there anything you thought of or can we uh, can we let these good people get back to their day?
1: Now we can let them get back to the day. Don't be afraid to ask questions, guys. It's about collaboration to make the situation better for everyone. So happy to answer any questions that anyone has.
0: Great. All right. Thank you so much again, David. And thank you. Thank you, everybody, for uh, taking the time to be here. I, I really appreciate it. Bye, guys.